Hi, everybody. Welcome to another version of the Bruce Singer podcast. I'm Bruce Singer. I'm your host. And I'm also the, the founder and CEO of Canada CFOs, the CFOs, which provides uh, interim and fractional CFOs to companies, um, our, our clients. Anyways, I have a great guest today, someone that I've known for a very long time, <laughs> like really long time, like many years, uh, Nikhil Sate. He, I'll tell you about Nik Nikhil. Nikhil has actually started his career and evolved into a CFO. He's been a CFO for 25 years. He's currently, uh, he's, his, his career has evolved. He's now Managing Director of Logiston Advisors, and he'll tell you more about Logiston Advisors and what they do. He's an expert in mergers and acquisitions. Um, he's been quoted on numerous publications in transportation magazines and logistics magazines. Um, him and his wife are, are, are very passionate about giving back and charities, working with things like World Vision. Uh, he's he's into singing, keyboards. Uh, he's loaded with stuff. <laughs> okay. He's awesome. Did I miss anything? I got it? Okay. That is awesome. Okay. Very generous thank introduction. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nikhil, welcome to the Bruce Singer podcast. It's a pleasure. To, it's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Bruce. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be doing this podcast with you. I've known you for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is this is awesome. I look forward to thank it. Thank you. Thank you. So first, before we start, I always like to ask, what's your story? Like today, you're the managing director of Logiston. But where did you start? I know you, you had a lot of international. You've been been all over the world, and can you share your 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 own career, your own your own career evolution story, some personal story? Where where you are today? I love to know. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking that question. Yeah. Uh, I generally don't get that question asked many times in the industry events. Yeah. So I grew up in India. Uh, I left for greener pastures to southern Africa. Um, and I worked there for almost nine years before I immigrated to Canada. Canada is a wonderful country that is uh, always open to skilled immigrants. And we arrived in this wonderful country in the year 2000. In 1996, it started with a career in logistics and transportation when I started to work for HND, which is one of the very big international freight forwarder that was bought by AEI when I was there. In, so when we arrived, um, it, this wonderful country called Canada, we call our home, uh, I was baptized with fire with a very challenging role with Keldron Logistics. It was a boutique $40 million company that we grew to a $200 million company by the time the company wow. uh, got divested to XPO Logistics in the year, two, in the year 2012. Um, then I did my CPA and I did my executive MBA from uh, from Canada. And uh, today I enjoy with passion my new role uh, of uh, putting deals together, both on the buy side and sell side. I have many, many years of deep relationships and uh, significant experience in the transportation and logistics, both in Canada and United States for the last 10 years, I've been working in the US. Um, and uh, right now we work predominantly on the sales side with my new company, Logistics Advisors, since July 2020. And despite the fact that in, in COVID, 
we were all working from home, believe me, we did significant number of deals sitting in wow. our home office. Wow, wow. So that's what my story. I think I'm married for over 36 years this December. And uh, we believe that uh, we, we give it back to the community wherever we can. Um, as Canadians have been very high donor-friendly folks, so we put our hand out and say, okay, we, we want to be there for you. Good for, good for you. So so right now, your focus is is M&A in logistics and transportation. That's the, the focus. Buy and sell. That, Buy and sell. That is right. Okay. Yeah. So because of my entire career for the last 25 years has been spanning in transportation logistics, mm-hmm. um, it, this is a very unique blend of operating experience with an M&A acumen, I would say. A right. lot of times the bankers don't have an operating experience like we do. Uh, so here we have been there, done that at sea level. It, at Logisyn, we got more than 125 years of experience with more than oh, 230 oh, completed transactions. Oh, but oh. it's only in transportation logistics. I got it. So let's talk about let's talk about uh, for, for in ter- the audience. What what are you seeing in the market? What, guess what are the hot what are the hottest topics, the hottest trends that you're seeing right now in 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 your space? And then I want to expand some other stuff. I got a few. Quick, what are you seeing? Hot topics. That's a great question, and that's a pretty loaded question. But I would actually go back a couple of years into the COVID times. And because of COVID, I think logistics industry has been a big winner during COVID. Why I say this? Because the margins solidified, the earnings increased, uh, and most of the logistics companies did exceedingly well, and they were hitting the ball out of the park. Uh, Now that we are coming out of COVID, we got a hockey stick, which is, uh, a significant bump in, the, I call them a COVID bump, a significant bump in the gross margins and in the uh, profitability and EBITDA. And now that we are near normal post-COVID, you're almost getting normalized earnings, which is pre-pandemic uh, okay. levels are going back. So when you have such a big, steep increase in what we call a hockey stick syndrome, uh, to valuations are challenged, uh, the deal structures are challenged because how do you value a company that is going from $2 million of EBITDA in 2020, $3 million in 2021 to $10 million in 2022, and then back down to $3 million in 2023, potentially. So when you have that hockey stick syndrome, yeah. uh, the valuations are challenged. The deals are getting more structured deals are happening in the marketplace. And look at the macroeconomic headwinds that we see today. The interest rates are going up. The inflationary pressures are high. Uh, There's a softening of the market. The consumer demand is getting sluggish. The American midterm elections had a major major impact on uh, the macroeconomic situation. Uh, The feds are pumping in the interest rates, both in Canada and the United States. So we have seen, and evaluations are influenced by the financing environment and the capital structures are influenced by the capital markets. So what's happening in today's market the freight industry is softening. The macroeconomic headwinds are very strong. What does that mean? It means getting financing is becoming difficult. The, the deals are not closing on time because you can't get third-party financing and the sub-debt market is getting very tight. So we see some challenges in today's market. The mandates are happening. It's like real estate. The, the houses are getting bought and sold. Yeah. The companies are getting bought and sold, but it takes a little bit more time 
and you need more liquid buyers. You need buyers who have the money to go and close the deal and not relying on the third party financing. So we see uh, these are short term blips. In my view, we don't doubt the resilience of Canadian and the US economy. However, for the next six months are going to be very volatile in terms of consumer spending. Look at the grocery bills that we are all paying at the stores. We yeah. are paying significant amount of inflation that is setting into our grocery bills. Uh, so is the typical inflation with energy prices and so on. So there is a, the consumer demand, the consumer spending that really drives the GDP. And we are seeing there's a pullback on the consumer spending. Uh, inventory levels are all time high. The brick and mortar stores are beginning to realize that we are heading into the holiday season. And we see, based on today's information, we are going to have a relatively soft holiday season from a logistics perspective. So uh, we, we see a very we see a very challenging market right now. So let me ask you. Let me ask you too. I wanted to zero in on a couple of things. One of the areas that I'm personally passionate about is food, beverage. Uh, that whole food security, the whole that whole space. So, what do you, if you can talk about what's going on? What are you seeing in the, like in the food and beverage, in logistics and food and beverage? Like, what what's what's happening in that? Can you talk about that space in food and Absolutely. beverage? Absolutely, that's a yeah. great question. Um, supply chain, the, you know. Yeah, I mean the supply chains have been very disrupted during COVID. Yeah, uh, and supply chains are today's supply chains are also very complex. Um, food and beverage, a uh, few years back, the U.S. passed the FISMA regulation, which is the Food Safety Modernization Act, mm -hmm. which, which obviously uh, left the logistics companies at the same level as the shippers uh, or the owners of the food. Uh, what does this mean? It means that America is the, one of the safest countries for food in the world. Um, but that means there is a compliance cost has increased. The risk factors have increased. Um, there is a significant disruption that we have seen during COVID in the supply chains. We work with a number of food beverage centric logistics companies. Yeah. Uh, during COVID times, I mean, I'll give you an example. We work with a Toronto based uh, logistics company that were brokering, they basically were brokering uh, all the lettuce and the tomatoes that we eat from the California into. Toronto area and California into, into, into tri-state. What did we see? No events, no concerts, no tourism during COVID. As a result, the, the, it, there was a significant drop in the volumes. Post-pandemic, we are now seeing the volumes are going back up again. Uh, now there is a capacity, there's a capacity challenges. There's more so truckers true. in the market. There are more truckers in the market than the number of loads. If, for example, a particular customer has been used uh, with 50 truckloads a week, now they're doing only 40 truckloads a week. Why? Because there's a sluggish demand in the market. So there is more trucking capacity than the number of actual loads in the market. What does this mean? It means the way you're buying trucks and the way you're selling uh, your charge rate to the customers is getting impacted. The food and beverage is a very recession-neutral vertical, in my view. Uh, people are going to eat. With the, with, if they don't go to a restaurant, they're going to eat at home. If this is what happened in, during COVID. You and me bought more groceries just because the restaurants were closed. Right? So, that's right. That's exactly. That's right. 
So That's FNB, right. so yeah. FNB vertical has been one of the very high concentrated verticals during the logistics companies because they haul freight. They haul refrigerated cold chain is also becoming very, very important. Yeah. Uh, cool. Especially during winters and during um, and, and during the times that you have to preserve certain temperatures of the products on, on the trucks. And one of the one of the factors in our industry, 70% of the freight in North America moves on roads, while only 15% moves on rails. Um, I think the rail capacity is, is significantly insufficient uh, to meet the demand. Uh, we talk about carbon footprint and we talk about climate change and sustainability, but we are not helping the situation because 70, more than 70% of the freight still moves on roads that is emitting a lot of carbon footprint. Interesting you say that. So, to, uh, so one of the solutions is up the rail. <laughs> um, that's up exactly the rail. right. That's right. <laughs> Is anybody thinking like this other than you? <laughs> I think the transportation industry, uh, I mean, look, the rails, if rails, the railroads have to make a significant investment into major tracks. It is a significantly more capital intensive project. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think yeah. you need, you require Warren Buffett to open up his wallet significantly <laughs> to go and make those investments. Uh, so rail, so Rome wasn't built in the day, right? It took yeah. time. So in order to in get the infrastructure of rail from 15 to 20% is going to take years because it requires a lot of investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So so I hear you about the interesting thing about the food, which I've never seen before. I was, at, I, was, I was out yesterday and I went to eat something and I had a sandwich and there was a sign up, we're short of lettuce, <laughs> you know? Like, and I went to, the, I, I couldn't find lettuce. I mean, that's just where I was. Like, it's just weird, weird stuff, you know, like, or like I could, a lettuce, talking about a lettuce shortage, you know, like, like temporary. Yeah, it's, I never seen it. Does this make sense? Is this, I've never seen this stuff before. Well, it's, you're going to see, a, you're going to see more of this in winter. You're going to see um, broccolis are running out of shells and the lettuce is running out of shells that typically happen during winter. But it's even more so this time because of the current very disrupted supply chain. Disrupted supply chain, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're going to see this. Uh, and even the weather patterns are changing. The climate change is here to here to haunt us. Look at BC last year. They had floods. They had wildfires. They had 50 degrees Celsius in Lytton, BC. And they had uh, record snowfall in one year. So I know it's and 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 Canada yeah. is environmentally very friendly and a very uh, compliant country. If Canada is going to get this, what about the bad actors like China and the folks who really are not really following uh, yeah. the COP27 regulations? So I think the transportation industry owe a lot to the environment and a lot to the uh, the climate change. But the governments of the day will have to make that significant investment into the infrastructure to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, so what can you share? You talk about, we talked about supply chain. We talked about the M&A. There's, there's a lot going on, you know, in food and beverage as well. So what what advice, like what what, what should, what, what should companies be doing? You know, like what should they do to, 
Uh, like, let's look at the M&A side. Um, what advice would you have for them? I think that's a that's a great question. Uh, we often, when we get involved in a company, when they want to monetize and they want to take it to the market, we always want to level off with the, what's their expectations? Yeah. What is the value and the structure expectations? Unless, unless we get aligned on the value and the structure, we are not stuck with the number. We want to maximize the value and put more money into the pockets of our clients. However, we got to be, the reality check is, what is that value? And how does the how do how do the sailors drive value? Consistency or performance? You you can't do, do egg, egg, ebbs and flows or peaks and valleys. You so if your EBITDA is growing two, three, four, five, six, seven, the buyers think there is a lower risk in that particular company because there is a steady and a consistent performance. So aim for a consistent performance. Aim for a stickiness of your customer base. Look at your quality of revenue, quality of procurement, your risk management, your back office efficiency. So I always tell our sailors, whether they become clients or not, to do an inside soul searching and make sure every $1 that they, they put on the EBITDA, they are going to put 6 and $7 in their pocket. Yeah. yeah. So this is how they need to think about it. Um, and you need to provide the buyers a scalability, uh, the size, economic size, uh, the growth project, the growth trajectory of your business. Um, the technology is becoming a very, very important piece. Although the valuations are agnostic, uh, so far as technology is concerned, technology is driving the performance. Uh, technology is creating superior unit economics. Your cost of acquiring a customer versus a cost of executing a particular transaction efficiently. In today's world, AI, machine learning, uh, automation, work simplification are buzzwords. And during the COVID times, even the mid-sized companies, the mid-market companies, realized that the level of digitization had to be increased and right. had to they had right. to ramp up the level of digitization to be able to work remotely. So we have seen... Uh, I mean, we when the when the these companies come to us, we realize they're really not market ready. Then we give them some piece of advice, exactly what I just laid it out, and they come back in six months, nine months, or twelve months with an improved PNL and better story for us to see. What we don't we don't set the valuation; the market does. Of course, what of we, course. What we do do is to tell a story and tell a story and position the company in the best possible manner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if we have a better story to tell, obviously the mark it captures with the imagination of our buyers. Yeah, there's got to be like you being a you being your your career is is from finance and being a CFO, and this is a much bigger topic. But being a CFO and going into these companies, like looking for these opportunities, you know, there's a whole other. That's a whole. That's we could do another uh, podcast just on that, you know, because I would think. They've got to have a plan and they need some financial expertise to do it, you know? And you know what I'm saying, right? It's Absolutely. Just, I you think need, you need, yeah, yeah. Part, see, I mean, you, you are a, you are a, you are a CPA, you are a pump finance. Yeah. So here is what we tell our, our sailor clients. Track your customers like you track assets on the balance sheet. The top 20% of your customers are driving your margins. 
The bottom 30% of your customers are draining your margins. Who are they? So rank your customers into A, B, C, D. You don't want C and D customers. You want A and B customers. So you want to move them up. Yeah, but the guys, sometimes they got to have the, sometimes they've got to have the system in place to identify. Correct. Because sometimes you see, you think, you think you're doing a million dollars of revenue from one person. That's your A customer. But if you don't analyze the costs, and because it's a lot of it's tendered, right? You do deals, and that that customer may not be. They might have the most sales, but they be but they might be the least profitable. That's exactly right. I think you know? this is the company. So you think they're any, but they're not. Yeah, you're right. You need to have the internal mechanism to correct, identify correct, correct. and then work on it. Stand up to your customers. Sometimes you have to get a raise, or sometimes create a better execution style, manage better risk. Um, or uh, just have to work on the revenue, the procurement, the risk factors, exactly. and the back office. For example, if a customer is great, but they pay your bills in 90 days, your DSO is 90 days, that's not good enough. It so, hurts your ca- yeah, it hurts your cash flow too. It hurts your cash flow. And then you, then you can't use it for other things. Yeah, there's a lot of, it's more than just top line, you know? Absolutely. Nikhil, Absolutely. this has been extremely insightful extremely insightful and i want to thank you so much for being on the podcast before we before we end is there anything you want to say that we didn't cover that we didn't ask that you think is important that the audience should know that regarding some of your expertise that's something that is uh is important that we didn't talk about well you know the only thing i would say to folks out there who are likely to engage into any kind of M&A activity, whether it's a growth-oriented tuck-ins and bolt-ons and acquisition strategy, or you want to take your company to the market, there's always a moment in time in logistics. Um, Don't lose that moment in time because I think it's very, very important. Sometimes procrastinating those actions, are they hurt hurt you. So, for example, you say the market is very volatile. I won't get to the market. But guess what? The market is continues to be volatile for the next 18 to 24 months. You're hedging against your risk. So I would say right. there's a moment in time and you need to take the bull by the horn and really have to make have to execute your plans. Interesting, interesting. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much. Nikhil, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody for being on the on the podcast. Listen to the podcast. It's been very insightful. And I thank you. Well, Bruce, thank you for the opportunity. And it's wonderful to work with you on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day.